Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome. There's no other church in our fellowship that I feel as much at home as I do in Prescott other than San Antonio. Pastor Pastor Richard and Yolanda always make me feel like I'm something special. If you're ever looking for an assistant pastor, well, you might give me a call. (laughs) Always a great blessing to be in San Antonio. We're going to have a great time tonight, tomorrow night. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms, if you will. The book of Psalms, chapter 10. There is a growing trend. It's partly a part of our age of uh, books uh, written by atheists, uh, uh, apostates, and blasphemers. Uh, you know, Christopher Hitchens is only one. Rob Bell, uh, apostate pastor. George Barner, Frank uh, Viola, written a book called Pagan Christianity. Is uh, And this is developing something that... Uh, uh, is very apparent in our society, an apathetic approach when you begin to talk about Christianity. Apathy uh, is a, a state of mind where you have a lack of feeling or you have a lack of uh, of concern. And uh, somebody gave me an article from USA Today, and uh, it was headlined, God, Religion, Atheism, so what? Well, that inspired me for this uh, sermon that I have here. Psalms uh, chapter 10 addresses that, and I want to preach to you on so what. Look at verse 2, Psalms 10, verse 2. The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they've devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Skip down to verse 8, or 6 rather. He said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. Skip over to verse 11 with me, a few more verses. He said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He'll never see. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He said in his heart, you will not require an account. I want to preach to you on so what. Let's look uh, for a moment at the approach uh, to truth uh, that uh, we find in this scripture. We What we have is a uh, deliberate choice. And uh, the deliberate choice is someone has made a choice that they do not want to believe God. Unbelief is actually a a choice. How many of you know that? Unbelief, you know, I've talked to people who say, well, I just can't believe. Well, it isn't they can't believe. They've made a choice not to believe. And uh, in Psalms 103, verse 4, let me read it to you again. Uh, the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does 
not seek God. In this article, this uh, writer made a very interesting statement, and uh, he's uh, taking the statements of these people. And uh, he quotes this uh, person, says, the only thing that I'm pushy about is I don't want to be pushed. I don't want to change others, and I don't want to debate my views. So what we have here is an individual who has developed an apathetic stance. Some, one person said this is apatheology, and uh, that stance is they're not being, they're not being honest when they say, uh, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to push my views, I don't want to, I don't want to argue about it, because actually every one of us have uh, something inside of us that we must justify the beliefs that we have. How many of you know that? Our actions. If you, uh, if you make a purchase, you buy an automobile, of course you have to say what a fantastic deal you got, which you lie if you bought it from a used car dealer. And that's the best car there is on the road. These are Because there's something in us that we have to give dignity to uh, our own personality. We were discussing yesterday, Adele, I guess this is the latest hot singer, and she made a statement, I don't care what anybody thinks. Yes, you do. Every person cares what somebody else thinks is a part of our makeup. Uh, and this text, this is a dis dishonest person uh, that's making these statements because everyone is motivated to justify their own philosophy and their mindset. Uh, and uh, they deliberately are evading the reality of God. How many of you know that there is a God? You, uh, as we move through this, you have to be honest, there is a God. The scripture declares it, and the scripture makes some interesting statements uh, uh, about the declaration of that fact. The facts are evident that there is a God. And uh, in uh, Psalms 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day, utters speech, and night unto night uh, reveals uh, knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice uh, is not heard. I'm riding to the to the uh, uh, along the freeways yesterday, and I remarked to Pastor uh, Ruby uh, about the beautiful blue flowers that are uh, on the sides of the freeway. And he says that uh, Lady Bird Johnson uh, had that done years ago and uh, uh, planted bluebells. Well, you you just look at a bluebell, and if you think that that evolved from an amoeba or some protozoan or some slime, you've got to be insane. So when we look for a moment at the vast creation, the ingenious construction and the facts, Psalms 8, 3 remarks and said, when I consider your heavens the work of your finger, the moon and the stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? What, a, what, a, what an honest confession that God knows everything about you this morning he knows the words that you spoke before you came. Everything. You're just a tiny speck in the universe. Uh, and uh, it is a marvel that God cares about you. It's, it's a mind-boggling thing. Sometimes I, uh, preachers will preach on the vast universe and they begin to do all the statistics. And I go, you know, it's just, it's it. you can't grasp it. One... Uh, uh, one author made a statement, and that's sufficient. It says the sun 
is the nearest star in our tiny little galaxy known as the Milky Way. There are more than 80 billion galaxies in the universe, which for the record equates to more than 10 galaxies per person. 10 galaxies eh, for every person that is sitting here is in God's glorious uh, wonderful universe and who was it George Beverly Shea the singer for Billy Graham that said how big is God it's, uh, so to think now here's the vast creation and God knows who you are this morning knows every single thing about you has a purpose for your life loves you and wants to bring you to an understanding of eternity it's mind boggling can you say amen so God labels someone who rejects that uh, and he speaks about that in Psalm 53 verse 1 says the fool has said in his heart there's no God they're corrupt and have done abominable iniquity there's none who does good see the creation is, uh, is a marvelous marvelous uh, demonstration of God when I was a boy uh, I was born in the poor section of Arkansas. I remember riding along in a wagon to the store, a horse-drawn wagon with an uncle, and a bumblebee, a bumblebee is a very large uh, specimen of a bee, stung me on the back of the neck. I mean, you talk about pain. That was major, major pain. Do you know that this little creature aerodynamic engineers have examined the bumblebee and they say it's aerodynamically impossible for a bumblebee to fly. But you see, the bumblebee doesn't know that. <laughs> in certain places in the world, they have seasons where there's a fish called the grunion. And this fish comes into shore uh, and comes up on the shore, lays its eggs in the sand to reproduce, and those who are knowledgeable know exactly when the season is going to be, and they catch grunion because this is a fish that they can eat, it's a desirable fish, and they know exactly when those grunion are going to come ashore. They only come ashore with a ninth wave. Now who tells the Grunions that the ninth wave is coming. Do they line up, you know, say, get ready, boys, you know. One, two, three. Every ninth wave, they know they're going to come in. See, the heavens and the earth are the evidence of God. And so when we read the, this uh, newspaper articles like idiots like this, when we read these atheists and these apostates and all their spoutings and vomiting out, uh, it's, uh, it's astonishing because it was Augustine who declared that in every man inside he has a God-shaped vacuum. A little poem I read some years ago says, Earth's filled with heaven, and every common bush of fire with God, only he who sees takes off his shoes. There is a God. So we're reading this text, is very, very interesting, but there's an attitude uh, that we have in our age, and this is an age. Uh, 
Uh, of course, of prosperity, many of you uh, may not fully realize that, but this is an age of prosperity, unprecedented prosperity. Most of you uh, have never lived in the Depression. There may be a, a couple of three, like the fellow that gray hairs that gave his testimony tonight. He may have. But most of you have no idea of the glorious prosperity that we live in today. I say, well, there's a, there's a recession. You know, there's a little saying that, uh, you know, when, when you lose your job, it's a recession. When I lose my job, it's a depression. And when we get Obama out, we'll have a recovery. So that's, this is a... Everybody that has a need, most of you have never known a day of hunger in, in your entire life. Uh, we have vast uh, b b b b resources of various kinds of programs of welfare, help for the needy, purchase of homes, and so on and so forth. Pretty soon, I had, last week I got my taxes ready, took them to the tax man and, and got, and got the, the bad news. And so uh, every April the 15th, uh, I, uh, bitterness rises up in me. <laughs> and a part of that is that a good chunk of uh, the taxes I'm paying is paying for men who uh, produce children that they won't pay for. And it's called aid to dependent children or ADC or whatever you want to call it in there. And so I, I have to pray. I have to get over that because uh, I pay taxes, a good chunk of taxes. And I know that that's where a good chunk of it is going. And a little bitterness rises up in me for men who won't support their own children. Those are programs. The reason I tell you that that uh, help people. I'm asked by people in other countries, you know, how bad is it? You know, the world thinks that, that in America we're absolutely, uh, it's, it's, it's absolute people are, are on the streets everywhere. They're having to live on the streets. They have no help of any kind. And they ask me, so how, how bad is the, uh, is the financial downturn in America? Well, to be honest with you, in our congregation, there's not a single person that wants a job that doesn't have a job. And I have within my memory several periods that are worse than what we have right now. And I know if you're out of the work where you're looking at me with a mean eye to, uh, this morning, but nevertheless, uh, the, the age in which we live, the reason I'm saying this, uh, is that God has blessed us. Can you say amen? And uh, the scripture says here, God is not in all of his thoughts. But you see, the apathetic person says, so what? Listen to Psalms 10, 6 and 7. Uh, the uh, scripture says, he said in his heart. See, the heart is a, is, is, a, is a marvelous consideration this morning. He said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. And uh, I want to tell you, that God is at work in the earth today and we are wonderfully blessed to be in this building, to have the knowledge of God, Pastor Ruby taking offerings uh, that uh, will support the work of God that's spreading out, the blessing that's on this congregation. What a wonderful blessing. There are people sitting here, you wouldn't even be alive had you not got saved. Half of you would be in prison. The other half haven't got caught yet. 
The blessing of God in a place like this is beyond description, the wonderful working of God. And uh, God has blessed us uh, and moved upon us. But the shame is that often people reject the reality that is before their lives uh, and uh, will not fully uh, respond and comprehend. Listen to this quote. For them, the Almighty is off the radar. Like some tiny foreign country they know exists but never think about, uh, God, purpose, uh, you don't need an opinion, one said, uh, on those things to function. Uh, and they give his name, he's age 26, you know. And at 26, he thinks he knows everything about eternity. And he says, you don't need an opinion uh, on those we're saturated with information today. Listen to this quote. They're uninterested in trying to talk a diverse set of friends into a shared viewpoint in a culture that celebrates an idea that all truths are equally valid. Personal experience and personal authority matter most. Hence, scripture and tradition are quaint, irrelevant artifacts. Instead of followers of Jesus... They're followers of 5,000 unseen friends on Facebook or Twitter. One says, I think Jesus is getting lost in the data stream, says this one person. He's the president of the Barner Group, a Christian research group. So look at this text for a moment that we read. And uh, in this text, in Psalms 10, verse 11, he said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. In Psalms 10, verse 13, says, why do the wicked renounce God? He said in his heart, you will not require an account. You're making a desperate mistake when you think, that God does not take account when you say in your heart he's not taking note of what you're doing or what you're thinking and the scripture declares plainly that God takes account and he sees and he will account in the end. So let's think for a moment about consequences. This is a generation that does not think about consequences. This generation acts on impulse. It acts on, um, on uh, immediate desire. It is impulsive. And uh, actually, uh, if you, uh, the average, uh, the average uh, man doesn't, uh, uh, his brain's not connected till he's 40 years old. Can you say amen? I've often said he can't hit his uh, uh, butt with both hands in a mirror till he gets 40 because then finally things come into focus. Uh, and I know that all of you that are under 40, you're looking at me with a mean eye, but uh, wait till you get 40 and then tell me. So accountability in this text, uh, it brings it, if you read the entire, uh, uh, the entire text, and so the consequences of so what uh, are, uh, are, are vast and are deadly uh, because everything in life has consequences. I preached a sermon some time ago and I, and I made this statement, it wasn't original with me, but uh, every decision that you make in life is a God decision. It is a decision that is in the will of God or it is a decision that is self-serving and against God and there are consequences 
And actions in life are like a seed. When you take an action in life, you plant a seed, and that seed is going to bear fruit. And if you plant, uh, uh, you plant uh, 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 watermelons, you're not going to re- reap corn. Nature has focused in that. I got a call, phone call. Let me just share this with you. I'm, I'm a very redemptive person. I got a phone call from a man uh, two or three weeks ago. It inspired an entire sermon. This man, 10 years ago, pulled out of the fellowship. He just disappeared. Uh, went his way. He'd been a missionary. He'd been an evangelist. He'd been a pastor. And he just, uh, he just disappeared. And he called me on the phone. He was at the Friday night Prescott conference. He called me on the phone. And he said to me, Pastor Mitchell, I just want to apologize to you and to the fellowship. He said, nobody's done anything to me to make me leave. I just, it's my own uh, uh, decision of discuss with myself and so on and so forth. And uh, he, uh, uh, he said, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to the fellowship. And he says, uh, my wife and I, uh, we're still together. We haven't uh, been unfaithful to each other. Uh, we're not uh, doing dope. We've not, uh, we've not, uh, uh, we're not uh, alcoholics. And we've gone to the Assembly God churches. We've gone to the Foursquare churches, gone to the mega churches. Uh, and uh, he says to me, three times in that conversation, I just want to do something for God. Now think about that. Ten years of his life, making a living, got a good job, got houses, and so on. But you see, you can't escape the consequences of decisions. I didn't look this guy up and say, you know what? You're wasting your life. But he is. He said, we're not doing anything. That's the point. And I just want to do something for God. The reason he said that was he at one time was involved like you're involved. He at one time was seeing his life have spiritual consequences. He was sowing seed upon the waters, as Pastor Ruby said this morning, and was seeing a return for that. But now, because of his personal decisions, which are God decisions, and planting the seed by the decisions he's made, now he's looking back. I was inspired on a sermon that is a redemptive sermon, and uh, the title of that sermon was The Lord of What's Left. See, this is a wonderful good news about God. Can you say amen? He's a redemptive God. And you may have uh, flushed five years, ten years of your life, two years, three years, but you see, the issue is not what you've wasted. The issue is what's left. So as we talk about consequences this morning, I want you to look at the text that we have here. And uh, in Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God's not mocked for whatever man sow, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And the Bible says that you can't escape the factors of life. Whatever you sow, 
That's what you're going to reap. And if you sow the wind, you're going to reap this whirlwind. And if you're sitting here today and you are making decisions or have made decisions, let me say to you, the issue is repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and making Jesus Christ the Lord of what's left of your life because he is a redemptive God. And in this Psalms, it brings it to pass before it's over because justice is a, is a, is a factor of life. Uh, we live in a moral universe. Someone's asked me what that means. That means that God is God. Can you say amen? He sovereignly is moving, and though man rebels, though man sins, though man fail, he's constantly moving to establish the moral fabric and bring that moral fabric to fruition. And in Psalms 10 verse 2 says, The wicked in his pride persecutes the pure. Let them be caught on the plots which they've devised. And so here's this justice factor that is at work. Not only justice, but poetic justice. In the book of Judges, chapter 1, verse 7, if you're sitting here this morning and you're contemplating, God doesn't know what I'm thinking, and my wife doesn't know what I'm thinking, or my husband doesn't know what I'm thinking, my church doesn't know what I'm thinking, let me say to you that there is a system of justice in the world. And that justice is administered by God, and you'll not only reap what you sow, you'll reap more than you sow, and not only that, but it will be a poetic reaping. Listen to Judges 1 verse 7. A frightening scripture says, Adonai Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I've done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Here's a man, and he, he is a perverse. How many of you know there are perverse people in the world? Every king that he defeated, he cut off their thumbs and their big toes, uh, and they had to scrabble for scraps like dogs under, under his table. Now think about the cruelty of the human heart. He's eating chicken legs, you know, and when he's finished, he throws them a, a little bone. You can clean up the bone there. And he gets perverse pleasure in that. But you see, there is a God in heaven. God looked upon that, and the process of time, this man is defeated, and they did exactly the same thing to him, and he recognized, as I've done, so God has done for me. Stay with me. We're going to come out of this alive before we finish. See, even pagans understand this. The apostle Paul is shipwrecked in, in Cyprus, and as he shipwrecked there, the Bible says uh, that they're gathering sticks. They land in a pagan part of this island. They're gathering sticks to have a fire. And as they're gathering sticks, a viper, a deadly viper, fastens on Paul's hand. Uh, and the pagans that are there, these are uneducated. These are not theolog theologians. Uh, they're not Bible school graduates. They're not preachers. They, be, they see this. Uh, and it's interesting when they see that and they, say, they surely think he's going to die. They say these words. It's found in Acts 28, verse 4. So when the natives saw the creature, that's the deadly viper, hanging from his hands, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he's escaped death in the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. Isn't that an astonishing statement uh, about the knowledge that there is a system of justice in the world uh, and God is at work uh, and the 
shocking facts is uh, that there is a poetic justice. Absalom was David's son. He rebelled against his father. He was a handsome man. He had a head of hair that was astonishing and he cut it once a year and it's so unusual that the Bible re records how much it weighed and so you can almost see this guy. He's a, he, he, he's a, he's a, a pre-70s hippie, you know, and he's got a head of hair. He's, did you ever see anybody with a head of hair like that? And you know, they, they want to make you know that they, they've got hair. He rebelled against his father, and this hair is the pride of his life. Undoubtedly, the Bible records that because of that. And in the battle, he is uh, caught in a circumstance where he's running for his life. David had said to his men, do not kill Absalom. He's running for his life on his mule, and he's caught by the hair of his head in an oak tree and he's hanging there helpless. He can't get loose. It's caught there and they catch him there and uh, they kill him. He cannot get away. And how poetic that this was the pride of his life and this is the thing that was his downfall in the poetic justice of God. Listen to 1 Samuel 14, 25 and 26. Now in all Israel, there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. There was no blemish in him. And when he cut the hair of his head at the end of every year, he cut it because it was heavy on him. And when he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at 200 shekels according to the king's standard. But this was the downfall of this man and the poetic justice of God caught him where he was. The good news that I want to include is that God is a redeemer. Can you say amen? amen? God is a redeemer, and regardless of our failures, regardless of our frailties, regardless of our uh, diversions, God is at work to redeem us uh, and bring us back uh, to his wonderful grace. Uh, and the scripture on that I read on justice, the wonderful thing is that that justice, God himself has satisfied the penalty that justice demands. Listen to 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. What a glorious promise we have. So we began this sermon by saying, so what? So here are people, these people by their own choice, some by their own uh, unbelief, which is, a, which is a, actually a choice, some by bad relationship, some by design to... Uh, to come against God and that let the mercy of God. Here's the glorious story of the gospel is the good news of the gospel that God cares for humanity. He cares for you this morning and that the blood of Jesus Christ came specifically to satisfy the justice of God and even atheists and even apostates if they would turn from sin that mercy's reaching out, 
by the hand of God for God to draw them to himself. You sang a number of songs this morning that were very insightful about the God who cares, the God who redeems, the God who forgives, the God who washes, uh, and the most wonderful thing of all, he is a merciful God. A merciful God. How many of you know that justice, law and justice is one thing, and we've read about all of that. Vengeance is one thing, but God is a merciful God. And the Bible tells us that if we will but turn in our erring ways, the mercy of God is available, reaches out, touches us, and draws us unto himself. The Bible warns us that, uh, that if we turn from God, we'll not prosper. But in that very same verse, uh, says that if we will turn, his mercy and his grace uh, is available to cleanse us and forgive us uh, and make us his children. So atheists, we will always have them, I suppose. Uh, uh, apostates, you know, here's the, this man, uh, Rob Bell has, has uh, written a book that uh, there is no hell. The Bible's mistaken. And, uh, and there is no hell. It's just all a big uh, fantasy world. But I'm going to tell you, uh, so what? The moment that Rob Bell steps into eternity, he's going to find out he was wrong. Not three hours after, the instant he steps into eternity, he's going to find out there are consequences he's going to find out that so what? Well, so what is uh, that God's grace and mercy is reaching out, but if we reject that, then judgment comes uh, because the love of God has been manifest. It's manifest in nature. It's manifest in creation. It's manifest in justice. Uh, and the glorious message that we bring this morning and the reason this church exists is to proclaim uh, and to minister the love of God in Jesus Christ. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed for a moment. As we're pausing in this service this morning, there are people here this morning that this message, God's touching you with the profound ramification. So what? Well, the so what is eternity is real. It is appointed unto every man to die, but after this death, the judgment the so what is that there are consequences in this life. And no doubt there are people here this morning that you're suffering the consequences right now. But I bring you a wonderful message. Uh, and that message is the love of God in Jesus Christ uh, is available to you right now. Christ died for your sins and mine. And the Bible uh, uh, proclaims that if you turn from your way, and seek the Lord. In one moment of time, you can be transformed. You can be forgiven. And I wonder, before I change this service this morning, how many people you're responding to the Spirit of God that's tugging at your heart. What you feel is conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you perhaps are backslidden. You're not right with God. Your heart's not right. You're sitting there today, and God's caught you in this moment of time. And you'll be honest with God. See, the, the Psalms is writing about the dishonesty of humanity. But you'll be honest with God this morning and say, Pastor, I need your prayer. 
I want your prayer. I want to turn from my sin this morning. I want to get right with God. Would you lift your hand and say, yes, I want your prayer right now, quickly, before I change this to other things. Say, my heart's not right. Lift it and hold it where I can see it. See these hands. God bless you. How many more? Be honest with God. Backslider. Right now, you can get right with God. I see this hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep those hands up. God wants sincerity this morning. He wants a decision. He's tugging at your heart straight. Yes, I see that hand. How many more? Join these. Say, yes. Pastor, I need your prayer. I need God. And uh, I want you to pray for me. Quickly, lift it up. I'm going to change this in a moment. If you want my prayer, I see these hands in the back. God bless you. Anyone else? Everyone of this here that you've lifted your hand, look at me while I'm on the platform. Look at me. You really mean that. You really mean that. You mean that. Once you get out of your seat, come and find a place to pray right now. In the back, quickly, while I'm talking. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Kneel down right here. God's going to, uh, somebody's going to pray with you. Come right now. You lifted your hand. In the back, you lifted your hand. Young people back there, you lifted your hand. Right now is the time. God loves you, cares for you. Maybe this morning you brought someone with you. Just kneel down. Somebody's going to pray with you. Man with a man. Woman with a woman. Maybe uh, this morning you brought a, a, an unsaved person with you. Turn to them. Invite them to come right now. And I want every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to change this in a moment to other things. Come and find a place to pray. Brought someone with you. Come and find a place to pray. What a man with a man, a sinner's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. They lifted their hand to a specific invitation. Now, before I change this uh, 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 this morning, I believe there are people that uh, God is dealing with your heart this morning. I want to tell you that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Know that. You cannot hide from God. He knows the words that you speak. He knows the attitudes of your heart. And I believe there are people here God's dealt with you about perhaps your words that you've spoken, perhaps of unbelief that you've voiced, perhaps of doubt. And God's dealing with this morning. These altars this morning ought to be filled with the people that God's dealing with. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing a chorus. Our brother's going to help us here. These altars are open. Let's come and find a place to pray and seal the words that God has spoken. So what has consequences this morning? Our brother's going to sing and help us this morning.